what is good everybody man let me know if y'all can all hear me it was a insane weekend of college football man especially at the fcs level so many great games and i had an absolute blast up in chattanooga man i want to give everyone that i met up there my guy from weber state weekly that i went and got uh got some got some barbecue with after the game Shout out to both the SIDs up at Mercer and Chattanooga, man. It, it was an amazing experience, and the crowd was electric. The environment was amazing. The game was great. And also, man, Chattanooga has some amazing facilities. The stadium was one of the nicest ones. I think I've covered a game at this year, the way it's built into the ground. So you come in even higher than you do at Alabama State. It, it's it's wild looking, and unless you're there, it, it – it, it's hard to even wrap wrap your mind around how they just the architecture is beautiful up there. Plus, I got a little bit biased, man. I love going up toward the mountains. I stayed over by Lookout Mountain. Love, love that type of of view, man. My hotel was right there looking over some of the mountains. So it, it, it was it was awesome. So shout out to Chattanooga this week. Um, I'll make an announcement probably tomorrow, Tuesday. But right now it's looking like I'm going to try to do um, I'm going to try to get a double header in next week. Uh, the goal is to start the day over at North Carolina A&T's homecoming, cover that North Carolina A&T Campbell game. After that game, drive the 30 minutes over to Elon and catch the Elon-Delaware game and try to pull the first doubleheader of the season, man. Uh, be two places on the same day, so definitely going to try to pull that one off, but I'll let y'all know. And Sam, all those pictures will be coming tomorrow, man. I just got back in town early this morning. So I haven't even had a chance to edit the pictures. I wanted to get the highlights out first, and then I'll, I'll, I'll drop the pictures um, either either sometime tomorrow after the press conferences or, or early Tuesday, uh, like like always, man. But I hope all y'all had an amazing weekend. And we're, we're, we got a lot to talk about. So we're going to talk about college game day. We're going to go over some notable scores, some of the top FCS scores, give an HBC recap. We'll end the show off by talking about Weber State, Montana State, which was our game of the week. We'll also end the show talking about Jackson State Campbell. And then, of course, the final thing we'll talk about on the show is going over the top 25. The only thing I won't have on tonight's episode, our full player of the weeks, there's still some games that I I need to watch first and do some research on before I feel comfortable with naming my official uh, game of the week so uh, i just wanted to let y'all know that i always want to bring y'all the most accurate information and and i didn't feel comfortable enough to name all my defensive mvp uh player of the week so i got my offensive ones but i wanted to get the defensive ones put together before i announced those but week eight fcs recap 701-779-9585 is the call the number if you if you want to call in give your opinion on any of the games this weekend or or what you're up what you're up to but we'll start with what everyone everyone wants to talk about just for uh, a minute. Live from Jackson, Mississippi this weekend, college game day is coming to Jackson. And I got word of this yesterday that they were considering a few different FCS locations. And I, I, I like there was no question that Jackson was to move this weekend because the, F, the FPS games are really weren't any good ones. And just when you look at uh, – let's just like recap what's happened – with Jackson these past few weeks from I mean you can even go back to the earn your leisure interview to the 60 minutes to good morning America to to college game day now uh it is it is insane 
all like what all has just been transpiring in Jackson. So this is week nine destination for college game day. This is the 11th all time appearance at, at an FCS matchup. It's the fifth time college game day has been at an HBCU matchup as well. And it's the first appearance at an FCS game since the 2021 Miak Swack Challenge in week zero, in which Alcorn State faith, uh, faced North Carolina um, Central. And when you look, this is Jackson State's first ever time being featured on um, College Game Day. Jackson State has never been in a game that uh, College Game Day has covered. This is Southern's second game. Southern also, uh, the, the Bayou Classic in 2005 was the location of uh, for college game day, that was a game that Grambling won 50 to 35 over Southern. And that's when the Bayou classic was played in Houston too. So it, <laughs> it won't even played at new Orleans at that time, but the very first time college game day went somewhere was the Harvard pin matchup in Oh two. Then you had Southern Grambling state Hampton fam in 2008 down in Tallahassee, Delaware state, North Dakota state in 2013, 2014, you had incarnate word in North Dakota state, Yellen Harvard 2014, Richmond James Madison in 2015, Villanova James Madison in 2017, North Dakota State, South Dakota State in 2019, and then, of course, the two I just named, the Miak Swack Challenge in 2021 in Southern Jackson State uh, this upcoming weekend. This is huge. This is absolutely huge for, for, for Jackson, for the SWAC, for the FCS, and I, I love seeing the FCS get put on the map like this. And the only thing I hope, and it's it's a lot to ask for. I understand is that they do have a not just a full segment on Southern versus Jackson State this weekend, but if they're bringing game day to an FCS location, man, I need like a full breakdown of some like actual other SWAT games, other FCS games. Like if you're going to go to FCS locations, talk about the FCS. Like don't make the whole show about FBS if possible. And I know the likelihood of that probably probably not great. But I, I'm I'm really hoping they they dedicate a lot of time to talking about, you know, just the overall landscape of what's going on this weekend. Not, you know, just show up and talk about schools that you know. Let's just be honest, like no no one there no one is there to listen to them talk about Tennessee or or whoever. So that's the only thing. But Ben, huge, absolutely huge. He said, "I just like Chattanooga bottle deck." I agree. Yeah, the traffic was terrible. Celebration Bowl Part 2, the boombox always are late. Glad they're coming for real. Even with our infrastructure issues, they love us. That says a lot. Rooting for the Southern fans to pull up, pack the vet. They're going to look amazing on TV. Uh, that means the game will be moved to ESPN. Um, no, it doesn't It doesn't mean the game is going to be moved on any channel. Uh, they don't have a uh, – like college game day doesn't have a say in like the TV broadcast. I mean, maybe they'll flex it, but as of right now, Shelby, they haven't made any announcement that they're putting it on any other channel. I wish JSU could forego the SWAC championship. Another JSU vet stadium sellout next weekend. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Shout out to AD Robinson. Big risk, big reward. There was some uh, – ah. This is a this is I don't know if y'all saw um, HBCU sports. They put out a whole thread about if college game day is going to come to Jackson, they they need to put a lot more effort in the broadcast. So I was at the Mercer Chattanooga game and I watched the first the the early parts of the Jackson game live um, during halftime of the Mercer Chattanooga game. And man, the quality this weekend was terrible. 
at first I thought it was just my phone, but then after the game, I went to watch the end of the Jackson game and I, my, I had my computer hooked up to like hooked up to the like good Wi-Fi up in the press box. And I waited, I took my time watching the game and it still was messing up. They were showing the scoreboard. There were sound issues. It was like glitching out where you couldn't even see what was going on. And it's just, man, it was disappointing to see that the, the quality that they really put out for a big game which was jackson state campbell and i'm hoping that's not the case this weekend when jackson state southern play yes it's a big deal i agree it should be all scs talk yeah they don't watch any man that's the sad part is that they don't watch <laughs> stop putting those pws in the polls don't support you <laughs> oh man aubrey miller bobby wagner boombox is about to be dumb it's funny how the fcs always downs the swag when we get something else fcs unity and there's always some people like that. I wish the Southern JSU game was on ESPN three. It's it's tough. I I don't know. I don't what I don't know what games on ABC this week. I don't even know if they've announced that. No reason for this game not to be flexed uh, this year. It's unpredictable. The team's going to the playoff. Hell no. It's all about JSU. Man, it's the boombox. But based on what I was told, man, it's going to be even bigger than the Campbell game. I think they had a sellout for Campbell. I think the announced attendance was like 50. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It was like 51 or 52K is the official number that they tweeted out after the game. But I would imagine that whatever the actual capacity of the vet is, that's what next week is going to be for this game. Because all the Southern fans keep commenting, man, that they travel. Well, I better see a strong Southern presence next weekend because the Jackson State and Southern fans always go back and forth about that in here. P5 schools watching and licking their chops. Bags will get thrown at uh, prom. Man, um, he's one of the candidates. I'll just say that. I think on ESPN Plus, they just used the cameras of the school that they're at. That's what uh, Dr. Cavill said, Sonic Boom, is that when you're on ESPN Plus, it's um, – when it's on ESPN Plus, apparently they use a lot of the school's equipment, and it's up to the school to like staff the uh, staff the crew behind the scenes and everything. And I don't know how true. I I know Ken uh, Ken Clark said a few weeks ago that wasn't the case, but I don't know what what it was this week. Uh, that production on the JSU game was horrible. That cameraman was not swag. <laughs> the Jackson has been moved to ESPN three, so the quality should be better. Jesus, KJ. Oh, the ESPN Plus broadcast of the game was trash. At one point, it was on the scoreboard for over two minutes. I've never understood that. Like, putting it to the scoreboard makes it seem so much more tacky, in my opinion. Just, I, I don't know. It. Listen, I, it, it's, it's worrisome when there's people on YouTube who, with just basic equipment like cut cut day me and some other people can just go to a game and like film every like there's just so much technology i don't i don't understand how it's so bad i'm just gonna leave it at that before going all the way into it they should move the su jsu game into a night game i wish there were more night games in the swag man i've really I, like especially for jackson state i mean i know ken and some other people i've talked to gave me some reasons why that wasn't the case chris but i, I think man a night game in jackson would be crazy especially a boombox game would be insane if it was a night kickoff like a six o'clock 6 30 kickoff I, I don't see why but i was told there were some reasons why they didn't do it i hope kurt corso brings you already know he's going to bring out the mascot head wagner finally won a game um uh no so chris i'll, I'll say this i think they were um 
They were, what, sixth in the coaches and I think ninth in the FCS stats. I guarantee Jackson State will not be top five in the FCS stats per form poll. I've, I've seen some ballots of some other voters. Jackson State won't be top five this week, at least, Chris. Now, the coaches poll, definitely they could be fifth. I, I do agree, especially with Weber losing. Would not be surprised if Jackson State was fifth in the coaches, but I don't think they're going to be fifth in the media poll. Uh, ESPN three is not accessible. Fifty one k, yeah. I, I I thought it was fifty one k or something like that. Oh, uh, see, there was a lot of people in the parking lot. Sixty percent chance for rainy. See, I won't be there, man. So I don't think it will rain if I'm not there. Uh, Prom is not a candidate at Auburn as of right now. Uh, the the coaching talk around Auburn has kind of stopped until until an AD is hired. ESPN has some issues this weekend, but I've seen other networks have issues following the ball. All of y'all talking about flexing the schedule to a network need to stop their TV contracts here. Play flexing is not an option. <laughs> 50K of nothing, uh, but JSU was there Saturday. will easily sell out with the Southern fan base coming in. Campbell had 200 fans. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I didn't know how well they would travel. Everyone said they, they brought like a small group, but it was nothing. It was nothing huge. I don't think JSU had any commitments right now, uh, but that could change this week. Listen, you, you, it's not always about commitments on the spot. It's about the long-term game. And so the fact that they could potentially have commitments in the coming weeks is the big thing. Move this game to ESPN. The camera was out. That is crazy. Is it me or does it seem as the college football landscape is changing? Big dogs are losing their power, a wider range of good teams. That was the goal with the transfer portal. Uh, people don't know that ESPN JSU actually outsource to a different company when they do JSU games, so the equipment is terrible. There you go. There was your answer. Uh, Blue, we're going to come for you if Miller is not defensive player of the week. That's fine, man. That's fine. Southern will be there. Uh, we're go- <laughs> oh, man. Everyone was talking about how this game used to be a night game over the weekend. Morpheus said the freaks come out at night. <laughs> Oh man, he said won't can't play in Baton Rouge at night. Won't make it across the bridge. Jesus Christ! Uh, probably A and T Campbell and then Elon Delaware. I'm um, going to try to pull a doubleheader. DW Prom said he doesn't like playing at night. I love night games. I'm watching Sunday Night Football right now. It's perfect for me. Um, all JSU games used to be at 7:30. Now it says it's an issue with police coverage. These games need to be back at 7:30. Oh, man, there's always some like weird reason like that, Mr. Campbell. I would love man, a later kickoff is always better. I mean, it's better for the students, better for the fans. You got more time to tailgate, more things to you. You can plan more things outside the stadium. You don't have to wake up at 730 to try to go out there and tailgate. I mean, I, I, I like um, I personally would, would would like the later kickoffs. Just me. Great to see you coming to Jiho Blue. I'll be looking for you. Stop by. I got you, man. I'll definitely let you know. Uh, definitely need that nighttime atmosphere last year. Uh, SU was, let's see facts. Well, I see random dudes with two nine nine in their pockets, put up better streams. That's what I'm saying. There's pe- like, like there was a few comments in here. There's people on YouTube who are like streaming the game through like a mirror behind them that it's better than what's on ESPN. It, it doesn't make any sense. I can't believe I ain't lost to South Carolina. Oh yeah. That was insane. I love how Debo and Willis killed uh, Brevin and number two, their ends. Campbell didn't bring fans like the rumors we heard. I didn't think they were going to bring like a, a thousand people or anything like that. It had 78 fans. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my god, man! The Campbell fans were really friendly. They were really cool. Yeah, I mean, they, man, uh, when I went up to Campbell, man, they were all cool. I, they don't, they didn't have a bunch of fans, but I mean, they were all cool that I that I talked to. Fans were small but super engaged. I was sitting with them. The guy who used to be the media guy who left JSU said a third party does the JSU Network production. Okay, they had a few commits there this week. Where all the people that rooted for Campbell to beat JSU didn't go so well. Man, Aubrey will be a good fit anywhere, man. I, I do think Aubrey has the talent to play at the next level. And I think he's shown – I talked this offseason about him developing his ability to play coverage in open field and just his awareness in the open field, and I think he's done that this year. I do think – I'm trying to think of like a good – like a fit for him. But, man, I really and truly, I, I think Aubrey – is is that type of guy that he could fit in just about just anywhere, but anyone with like an aggressive, aggressive downhill defense where he can just play that mic and come downhill to take someone's heads off. That, that's where he, that's where he's going to thrive. Some Campbell players might be interested in transferring to JSU. <laughs> People uh, tailgate too long, be drunk and ready to fight. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, we'll, we'll get to that game here in a second. Um, I don't. I think this is his last year, Shelby. If I'm not mistaken, I I think he'll get an extension at the end of this year, and that's just what they're waiting on. Uh, Swat fans need to take pointers from Campbell fans. I know damn well Campbell's fans are constantly focused on the game. No comment on that one. Campbell doesn't have five thousand seats. (laughs) Uh, Didn't hear much from Campbell. DN. Yeah, Campbell fans was was allowed to be so small. Let's see. He's man, your Giants are gonna take anyone, Wayne. The Giants, the Giants need anyone. <laughs> Ken said a lady told him to go to JSU side. He said all sides is JSU. <laughs> oh man. Let's see. I'll take I'll take him on the Bills trade Edmonds. It's sad that JSU could not get the playoffs, see how they match up with other FCS schools. I heard the atmosphere. Listen, I talked to a bunch of people who were at the game. I I heard it was an amazing atmosphere, and it came it came across on TV as an ama- amazing atmosphere. But let me get to this call there real quick. Seven four eight five, you're live. Hey, what's up, Blue? You can hear me. Yeah, man, I got you loud and clear. What's going on, man? This is Mago from Jackson. Um, first off, I want to say, you know, hey, that Weaver State game, man, that was crazy. Like. When I was looking at it, I, I mean, you spoke on it, you know, uh, a multitude of times, talking about how good Weaver was. And, like, that first half when they came out, I mean, aside from, you know, of course, the safety, things of that nature, I was like, damn, that's a really good team. But, you know, now you haven't got to um, this yet, of course, but specifically with, of course, the Jack State and Campbell game, uh, defense came out amazing. Campbell defense came out pretty good as well. You know, I didn't expect them to be that aggressive. But, but you know, so essentially from what I'm seeing uh, with the offense, it's still something that we missing with our offense. I mean, Shadur is good. You know, the running back's good. The, the receiver's good. I'm thinking that at some point, you know, specifically dealing with the red zone offense because that's one of the main things that we're struggling at right now. You know, and I'm sure you're going to get to it at some point, you know, in your show. But with that, maybe at some point, Dion, and it's going to be hard, but Dion 
possibly at some point have to go get a uh, let's just say a multitude of six four, six five, possibly six six receivers, you know. So you could just go ahead, social media could just go ahead, throw it up there, man, and just let them go get it because there's no way, even with and I'm not trying to disrespect Campbell defense, but um, but essentially still you you still down in the red zone. Man, we got to come up with scores, man. I, I want to say we left at least maybe two or three touchdowns on the board. You know, you got to be able to capitalize on that, especially when the defense went in and all that work, and as well as the offensive line. There's been a multitude of times where – and I ain't going to hold it up, but there's been a multitude of times where Shadur actually had time in the pocket, you know, and we still can't get things going. And um, I'm going to end it with this. Um so specifically with Shador, I don't know exactly what's going on, and I'm gonna ride with that young man until the wheels fall off. You see, but he not looking like the same Shador. I don't know if the Alabama game. I don't know if he got rocked out there and it shook him up, but he looked like he kind of hurt or something, you know. So uh, if you notice that, you know, and you have any type of uh, information on it, of course I would love to hear it, but. You know, uh, like I said, the team's doing good, but Shador, he he kind of got a limp to his trot or something. I'm not really sure what's going on with him, and I'm going to leave it at that. I yield the flow. Appreciate it, man. Hey, appreciate the call, man. Um, Mr. Ford, you're next. But I do I do want to say I, I, think, I don't think Jackson State's play calling is off between the 20. So from the 20 to the 20, it's fine. You can – um. They can move the ball extremely well. And, and I'm not talking about just in this Campbell game. I'm talking about all season. Jackson State's been able to move the ball up and down the field almost at will for the most part. It's just in the red zone, man, They there's just small mistakes here or there that they they, they fail to execute at a, at a high level in the red zone. And you can call it play calling in the red zone or they'll have a turnover in the red zone. They'll, they'll get stripped or you know, someone will fall down and they'll throw an interception. It's just the the I think the red zone struggles, people are getting getting that confused with Jackson State's inefficiency just in total on offense. Man, they they put up four hundred plus yards per game. It's just when you're putting up field goals instead of touchdowns, those scores might not look as as impressive as some of the fans want it to. But in terms of Shador, you know, there have been rumors, and, and I saw his shoulder getting worked on against Alabama State, that he just has some shoulder soreness, and Prime talked about that in one of his press conferences. I still think he's playing well. I mean, he didn't have a bad game, and also, let's just be honest, I mean, he went up against he, he went up against a solid defense. I don't think he had, you know, he just he's not putting up 500-plus yards a game like, like a DeMoret or whoever. It's just, I mean, he's, he's still extremely efficient, and I mean, he's... Um, He's doing his thing. I I don't think I wouldn't say that he's not the same Shador. I, I don't agree. I don't necessarily uh, agree with that comment. I I think Shador has taken a major step forward in his development this year. The offense is cruising between the twenties. It's just cleaning up cleaning up some things in the red zone are the are the biggest thing uh, moving forward. And and I agree with Mr. Campbell and some of the other commenters. Um, I think I think that's where they're missing Wadman the most. If you remember last year, I mean that's why Wadman didn't lead the team in catches, but he led the team. He led the damn conference in touchdowns because he's just that type of guy who could go up there 
and get the football. So I don't I don't necessarily agree with everything, but I, I get what you were, I guess, trying um, trying to say there. I, but I, I think everything's just fine. Um, I'm going to go Mr. Ford and then Coach Green. Mr. Ford, you're live. Hey. Hogan, let me turn this thing down. Blue, let me ask you a question. Can you name the four NFL Hall of Famers from South Carolina State? Mm. Put me on the spot here. I, I, I honestly uh, probably can't name all four, to be honest with you. Okay, give me the ones you can name. Ooh. On the spot. No, man, you caught me real off guard with that one. All right, let me give them to you. The first one is somebody that is totally forgotten in NFL history. His name was Marion Motley. He was bigger than Herschel Walker. Okay? Nobody ever talks about him. The next one was Deacon Jones, one of the greatest defensive ends to ever play in the NFL. He was Los Angeles Rams. He was a part of the fifth and fourth. The next one was Harry Carson, who played with Lawrence Taylor under, uh, I think, Ray Perkins drafted him. And then he played for, uh, what's the big-time coach for the Giants that went to the Dallas Cowboys? What was his Parcells. name? Parcells. Parcells. He played for Parcells, won Super Bowls with Parcells. The last one was Donnie Shell, played with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, the reason I'm bringing that up is because these people here in Atlanta, especially these Jackson State grads, I think they're going to get what they want. And what they want is a rematch with South Carolina State because they want to beat the you-know-what out of South Carolina State. Because these people here in Atlanta are still upset with the fact that South Carolina State defeated uh, Jackson in that celebration bowl. Now, I watched the South Carolina State. Um, it was South Carolina State and North Carolina Central. Uh, South Carolina State pulled it out. Now, Blue, I think that Fields kid is kind of waking up. Now, one of the things that I noticed in that game yesterday, when they go to the air, they look good. You know, most teams, they run, and then they bring in their air attack. South Carolina State needs to go pass first and then run. That's when they're at their best. I thought that Fields kid looked uh, really good. Now, the other thing that I uh, wanted to put emphasis on, and, and I, I say this all the time, and I know people get tired of me saying it. If Jackson State can pull 50000 to all their games, then Jackson State need to have a law school, and Jackson State need to have a medical school. Now, I know some people ain't going to understand that, because I know y'all don't, y'all don't think like that. But I'm just saying, if you're going to be pulling them kind of crowds, then you should have a law school and you should have a medical school. Uh, let me go on because I know folks will be mad about that. But anyway, listen, uh, Blue, now the other thing that I'm hearing, they said they had 500 recruits at that game yesterday. Is that true? Yeah, I heard anywhere between three to 500. Yeah, and I'm hearing they're going to have 500 again this week. Yeah, Is that I, true? I heard the same thing. Yeah, that's what, now listen, you're talking about 1,000 recruits in two weeks? You can listen. That's how you're gonna get you three or four of them five stars y'all be talking about. That's how you get them kids in there. Um, what else? Let's see. I was gonna say. Oh, let me just say this, Bruno. I know because I know you got a lot of calls. I don't want to hog up the thing. Let me tell you something. It's two programs is getting ready to be put in the frying pan. We already know who Jackson State is, but the two programs that's getting ready to be put in the frying pan, actually three, is Southern University. Because Southern got to play Jackson. Then they got to go to FAMU. Then they got to get ready for that during Bayou Classic. 
The other one is Florida A&M. Florida A&M got to host Southern in two weeks. Then they got to go to Montgomery. And then they got to play that big rivalry game in Orlando. And the other third team to me is I think that uh, Alabama State is getting ready to go into that frying pan. Because let me just say this. Y'all can get mad with me all you want. That guy, Courtney Almano, he owns that during gone uh, Magic City Classic. You know, I, I think he's undefeated. Isn't that right? Doesn't he own that? Yeah, I believe he's undefeated. Huh? Yeah, I think he's undefeated. He's undefeated. So I'm just telling you, them three programs right there, they're going to be on the clock the next two to three weeks. It's, it's uh, Southern University, Florida A&M, and, and Alabama State. Now, Blue, you had anything you want to ask me? Yeah, someone just posted that who do you think is the next head coach that gets fired in the SWAC after, um, who was it, UAPB fired uh, Gamble? The guy at Bethune-Cookman, he's done all he can do. That guy at Bethune-Cookman. Let me tell you who just had a big win. I'm waiting to see the game. McKinney, that was a big win. He went in there and spoiled Alcorn's uh, uh, homecoming. He need to get a year extension off of that. Because, listen, I'm going to just be honest with you. I was very impressed with Alcorn this year. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, Dancer don't need to go nowhere till they get him some money and some support. Dancer don't need to go nowhere. Uh-uh. They might as well stop all that. Uh, dance all right, and Dancer don't need to go nowhere. But I believe the guy at, uh, at uh, Bethune-Cookman is out. I think he's out. Uh, let me, you know, I, I, I mentioned this, I don't know if it was to you, no, it was to, uh, my man, um, CFL, but he goes by another name. I want y'all to watch this guy at Benedict College. His name is Chennis Berry. I believe that Chennis is ready to either come back to the head co- as a head coach in the SWAC, or he needs to be a head coach in the MEAC. Do you know who I'm talking about? He was the offensive coordinator for Dawson Odoms. Do you remember him, Chennis Berry? Yeah, you remember uh, him, Blue? Yeah, and, and Kobe told me that he's doing his thing over there. Yeah, like, he I, is. I, I, I've seen him. They are they the best team in the SIC. They spawned three homecomings. They demolished Fort Valley. They went down to Auburn State and tore up their homecoming. Yesterday they did in uh, – they tore up Morehouse's homecoming. But this guy has – he knows how to run a program. So some of these SWAC schools – and these MEAC schools needs to look at Chennis Berry. Okay? Yeah, I don't know much about him. I don't have a lot of time. You oh, he's a good watching. man. He, he, yeah. he, he's an offensive line guru, and he's an offensive coordinator. But he's running a nice program at Benedict College. He's doing all of this, and I think he's turned that program around in, what, two years? I think he's been there two years, right? Oh yeah, I don't watch a lot of D two football. I'll be honest. I between oh, okay. yeah. yeah, between my FBS yeah, I would like to, uh, and FCS. I would, you know what? I know that I know they got to go to the playoffs, but I would like at the end of the season for a little championship game, Virginia Union to go against Benedict. I'd love to see that. I love, now you know, uh, I did, are you familiar with Joe Taylor? Right, used to be at uh, Florida A and M, and he was yeah. at uh, Hampton. Well, anyway, he's the AD now at uh, Virginia Union. I can't remember what the coach's name, but they're doing really good up there at Virginia Union. But I would like – now, Virginia Union is the best team in the CIAA. Benedict is the best team in the uh, SIAC. I'd like to see them two teams uh, meet up in a championship game. You got anything else from the Blue? 
No, that's it, Mr. Ford. Appreciate you calling in. Okay, have a good night, him. All right, we'll go Coach Green and then 5518. Right, Coach Green, Coach you're Green, live. Big win over another D2 team this weekend, man. How you feeling? Man, feeling good, man. Hey, we had a bye week. It was no D2, nothing. We had a bye. This, this, this was our bye week. So, I don't know what y'all talking about. We did not play no Division Two team. That was practice. We just had a practice. All right, Blue? Did they have positive yards nah. against y'all? <laughs> Say that again? Did they have positive yards, or did y'all hold them to negative 20 like South Carolina State did last week? Man, look, I told you we had a bye week, man. Why y'all keep – y'all? I don't know where this, this misinformation is coming from. We did not play this week. We was off. But uh, anyway, <laughs> hey, uh, college game day did the best thing that I never thought they was going to do. They picked the perfect game to come to as far as HBCUs is coming. They picked the two biggest, one of the two biggest robberies to come to, and that's Southern and Jackson. So I, I'm I'm hoping they get they, you know, get into their books and everything and read up on all the history and make sure they have all the right information. And I hope they have the right guest host to come on the show. To talk about this game because this is big, bro. This is big for college game day because they never picked a robbery like this. So, this is that, I, did I, they I'm come to the this. Bayou Classic in like 05? Huh? They came to the Bayou Classic in 05. Hmm. I, don't, I don't remember that. that I, did, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So, you just put me on something, but. I'm glad they be doing this one, though. I'm just glad they're doing this one. Are you going to be in Jackson but, uh, this weekend? Say that again? Are you going to be in Jackson this weekend? Uh, unfortunately, we got practice. We got basketball practice. You know, we got – because we, uh, we opened up on the 31st for basketball season, so I ain't going to have no time to go down to Jackson. Man, that's tough, man. So, before I let you go, Coach Green, man, what would you think about – like? Uh, what game this weekend caught your eye? What 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 you want to talk about? Shoot, one of the things I was going to ask you about, you know, before we hang up, tell me your thoughts on the Campbell O line versus Jackson D. What caught my eye is the Mercer the Mercer Chattanooga game that caught my eye. And tell me what are you, uh. What are your thoughts on the North Carolina Central South Carolina game? And I I hang up and listen. Appreciate you, Coach Green. All right. So you know I'll I'll give like my full take on the Jackson game here in a minute. Um, man, I thought Jackson State's O line did did solid. That there were a few plays where I felt like they got that in the run game they gave up some plays behind the line of scrimmage that they shouldn't have. But in terms, but it's just such a perfect, I guess, dynamic because there were times where they allowed pressure, but man, Shador is so slippery in the pocket. What was it? Um, I don't remember what quarter it was in. It was what, like a third and 15, if y'all remember right, when Shador, I mean, he had to run like 20 yards in the pocket and somehow got out of the pocket and and made a big play, slid down, down. I mean, 
the fact that even when the offensive line doesn't play super well, Shador is still able to make something out of it when he's not even, I, I would say, tapped as a, as a super athletic quarterback. He just it, his pocket presence is just next level. I mean, he feels pressure before it's before it's there. It it, it was insane. Yeah, right after halftime in the third, and for and, and for the Chattanooga game. It, I knew how good Chattanooga's front seven was with Devontae Maxwell, with with uh, Pearson, with Ty, uh, Ty Beckett, uh, linebacker. They are legit in the front seven, and they got after Fred Payton. They really and truly slowed down Mercer's rushing attack. The leading rusher for Mercer, of course, hurt. They're just big and physical, man. That, that's all it came down to, and I think they punched Mercer in the mouth. So if you, if you didn't watch the highlights or didn't watch the Mercer-Chattanooga game, Lance Wise receives the opening kickoff and Chattanooga takes his head off. I mean, just took just just like decleated him. He fumbles. They they get it. They go up three nothing. The very next offensive play for Mercer is a pick six. So it was like 10 nothing. And Mercer had one play of offense. And it was 10 nothing already on the road with, with the crowd already already rolling. So it was just uh, everything that could go wrong for Mercer went wrong and then um the last question was uh, about that south carolina state game i'm gonna be honest i'll tell y'all on this show when i'm wrong i i understand historically it shouldn't surprise people because south carolina state has had their number but there was i'm sorry there was nothing on film this season that gave me any impression that that South Carolina State could come out there and play a game like they did. Corey Fields, three inter- uh, three touchdowns, no turnovers. And they they were able to they were able to run the football way more efficiently than they were against anybody that else that they've played this year. It was just a completely different South Carolina State team and it was just right out of the playbook of Buddy Pugh where it was in big games, he has his players ready and has his teams um have his teams have his team ready every every time it's a big game and so i got to give him credit that was in my opinion i i I tweeted out i thought that was a top four win this weekend and that's why i put it in the poll they they just show up and that front seven played really well and then I, i talked to scotty and some people after the game about that uh just about what it meant moving forward for them and the fact that they were able to sack Rashard four times, hold him to 11 for 24 in the air, and and they allowed 250 yards rushing, but it didn't matter at the end of the day because they were just so efficient on the offensive side of the football. And then also Shaq Davis, two big receiving touchdowns. It was just man, typical South Carolina State football where they they just they just show up for big moments. And I heard a lot of people on Twitter, uh, Kofi and some people saying it wasn't an upset. Listen, upsets aren't determined by the history of the matchup. I don't care what happened three, four years ago. I, I, I don't. It it was an upset based on what happened on the field this year. Because I'm I'm sorry, up until this Saturday, Central looked like a better team than South Carolina State, and when I, and and they were receiving votes. I think they were in the top thirty of both polls, the coaches and the media poll. They were in that receiving votes category, both in the top thirty. That's an upset win, regardless of how how people feel about it. Uh, I'm like I, there was a lot of South Carolina State fans mad that I, I, me and some other media members called it an upset. That was an upset. I'm sorry that that was an upset. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what the history of the matchup says. Based on this year's results, that was an upset win. Uh, 
And it, it was a hell of a game. But I'll talk a little bit more about it after I get to this last caller. 5518, you are live. Hey, Blue, what's going on? This is DJ. What's good, man? Hey, just quick observation, man. I was at that um, Campbell-Jackson um, State game. Um, man, I tell you, um, Campbell was bigger. But what I also noticed, Jackson State was hitting harder. I think I counted nine times where players had to get up and go up, walk off the field. And I was like, wow. Kind of remind me when Miami played Oklahoma back in the day when Oklahoma was bigger. But Miami was so much quicker. And that's what my observation was, that the line was bigger, but they wasn't as quick as Jackson State. And by the third quarter, they started tiring out. My second observation is there was 51-some thousand. But let me tell you, Jackson State got the quietest 50,000 people that I ever heard. When I went to the Alabama State-Jackson State game, I think it had 30-some thousand. They was a lot louder. I don't know if it's because the bed is old and all the noise goes up, but that 50,000 is not a lot of noise from what I observe. And my third thing is I'm just thinking they in the, I think they got in the red zone six or seven times inside the, um, the 20. I think inside the 10, my count, me and some of the guys that was watching the game. I just think they should have kept running, my man, Savion, I just thought they was forcing it to Travis one time and was fortunate to get Travis, not Travis, but Shador his numbers. I just think sometimes take what you get, and they could have got at least another 21 points. I think they left at least 21 points on the board. Hey, Brew, thanks for, man. I like what you're doing. Hey, appreciate you, man. Um, I will say, because I, I, I understand it, it didn't come, like when I watched the game, it didn't, come across as Savion had 24 carries but when I went back and watched the game um in its in its entirety I mean they gave him 24 carries and that's that's a lot of carries and I know people were screaming why is JD Martin you know getting the ball but I mean he only had 11 carries and he was averaging five yards per carry it was just they ran the ball 40 times this weekend and I think Shador if I'm not mistaken had 31 passing attempts I mean I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just people are hyper fixating on what Shador does or they already have like a preconceived notion. And so they're, they're missing it. But Jackson state ran the ball so much more than they usually do. And I thought Savion got a lot of touches. It was just, maybe he didn't get the touches where people thought he should like in the red zone. Cause that wasn't it the last touchdown where, um, Savion was the one that took it in. I think it was the final touchdown that Jackson State scored in the game. And I think people just see that and it's like, man, why didn't we do that on the other end of the field? There were times where he was possibly forcing it to Travis, but I do think Jackson State is a little bit more balanced than people like to give them credit for. Agree with you. Yeah, they they are a little more balanced when they first started. I just think, like a lot of people have just seen, I just think they could have got a couple more points had they just gave it to Savion. I agree with you. I, I think they mixing it up a lot. But I also think that I just and you watch the game, watch when they hand the ball off to Hey Savion. It's three feet deep behind the line. It's not if you watch everybody else, it's closer to the line. It's not like and Shador, only thing I don't see he does, he doesn't hide the ball well. Hey Blue, you take care. Hey, appreciate you, man. All right, man. Um if you're calling in. 
I'm going to try to get into some of these games a little bit because I know everyone wants to get to the Jackson State, <laughs> the Jackson State Campbell game, but we got to cover um, some of the other things first. He's <laughs> oh, man. I, the comments on some of these calls kill me, man. Absolutely kill me. Um, man, let me find the slide real quick. Uh, now, week four, real quick. These are just some notable games I wanted to highlight the scores. I'm not really going to break down. Um, I, I don't want to break down these games in full, but Southeastern Louisiana picked up a huge win, gave Jacksonville State only their second loss of the season, their first FCS loss, scored 18 unanswered in the fourth quarter to pull out this victory. This was a huge win for Southeastern Louisiana. They were on the bubble for the playoffs, and this this was a win that they that they really needed moving forward, and this really put them back in the conversation um, for a potential at-large bid if they ended up not uh, winning the Southland Conference. Also, uh, Mary Mack knocks off Sacred Heart in a big conference matchup. It looks like Sacred Heart's run in the NEC is going to come to an end. They already have a conference loss now. They're sitting at four and three. It looks like Sacred Heart is is has not been the same team. And Mary Mack has been a team that is young, up and coming. They have an explosive offense, and this weekend their defense made enough plays late in that game, held Sacred Heart to no uh, fourth quarter points, and they got it done in a big home win, 31-25 over Sacred Heart. Also, Rhode Island Monmouth. So, guys, a seven, another seven overtime game involving an FCS school. Eastern Kentucky Bowling Green had a seven overtime game earlier this year. Rhode Island Monmouth, seven overtimes, 48 46 win for Rhode Island over Monmouth. This game had everything you wanted. If, if, if there's anything you do after my show, go find the highlights of this game because this game was insane from turnovers to to rushing the football to pass I mean, both teams ran for almost 200 yards both team both teams were able to throw the ball for almost to, for over 250 yards it was an offensive clinic and it was a hell of a game in overtime also Hampton let me down I apologize to y'all I thought Hampton was going to be able to hang in with Richmond a little bit more than they did Richmond put it on Hampton this weekend and what happened was, if, if you didn't get to watch this game, because I do think this was on Flow Sports, the secondary for Hampton had no answer for Reese Trudinsky at quarterback. 314, three touchdowns, was 30 for 37. I thought Malcolm Mays played a solid game. He was sacked a few times, but he still threw for 214, a big touchdown. It, the problem became Hampton could not run the football. They, they had 44 yards rushing, less than two yards per carry. But Snipes, Burris, that running back group, just was not able to find any space against a really talented Richmond front seven. I will say, though, Jada Kiss Bond still legit. He had four catches, 35 yards. It wasn't a huge day, but you could tell that it was just mainly they, they weren't able to just force him the ball. I still think he's probably one of the best receivers in HBCU football. But Hampton falls to one and three in conference in the CAA. Some of the top games I want to briefly go over. South Dakota State with a massive comeback against North Dakota. Now, Mark Gronikowski, 15 for 20, 197, three touchdowns, had a big game. The big storyline coming out here, Isaiah Davis, All-American running back for the Jacks, injured. At, um, Adam Bach, All-American linebacker for the Jacks, injured. Tucker Kraft, just coming back from injury. Everyone's kind of nervous. It just seems... South Dakota State, rolling number one team in the country. This was probably their biggest trap game left on the schedule. The biggest thing I'm worried about with South Dakota State moving forward is just staying healthy. If they if they can't get to the playoffs healthy, 
I'm really worried about the longevity that they have in terms of a deep run in the playoffs. We know South Dakota State never won a national championship, ranked number one in the country for the first time in school history this past week. It was a tough game early. They came back, put it, put it on them in the second half, but I am worried about the overall health of the Jacks moving forward. But it was a huge win against North Dakota. Uh, Tommy Schuster, they forced two big interceptions for him. Tyler Hoosman was shut down in terms of the run game, 74 yards rushing, 1.9 yards per carry. South Dakota State has only allowed one team to rush for over 100 yards. That was North Dakota State last week. Man, the front seven for the Jacks looks legit. If you stayed up late, we had a field storming in the FCS. This was a game that was on ESPN2, Sac State versus Montana. Another comeback win. Montana was in full control of this game early and man Sac State just pulled it out of somewhere I don't know Lucas Johnson goes down with injury backup quarterback Chris Brown plays pretty well for Montana 141 in a touchdown for, for the Grizz but this 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 came down to the rushing game of, of Sac State I think they can run the ball on on anyone after this 180 over, almost six yards per carry two big touchdowns from Asher O'Hara their running quarterback in this two QB system Cameron Scadabo, 111 yards rushing, almost nine yards per carry. He was one of the best running backs of the week. And this this just came down to who made plays in overtime. And Sac State's defense was able to lock it up in overtime, got a big big negative play that they forced when Montana had the ball, and they weren't able to overcome it. And I do think Marshall uh, Martin is one of the best tight ends in FCS football that doesn't get talked about. I like Sac State moving forward. This was a big trap, not a trap game for them because Montana was number seven team in the country, but they were coming off a loss. They were on ESPN2. This easily could have been a game that they lost, especially when they got behind early. Sac State is a team that I am looking forward to make a few waves in the playoffs. Historically, they haven't done super well. They look like a team that's built from the quarterback spot to the running back spot with that offensive line and that front seven playing so well. I do think Sac State can make can make some waves this year in the FCS playoffs. Now, New Hampshire probably earned their way back into the top 25. There were a lot of voters that I talked to that didn't want to put New Hampshire in the top 25 due to their loss in North Carolina Central. But I think it's going to be undeniable now. They won a big game against Elon, and I talked to some people about this game off, you know, after after this game this weekend, and and they just said that they feel like Matthew McKay, the inconsistency is costing Elon a lot of games. When he's on, Elon could be any team in the country. They, they, they've exhibited that this year with, with multiple ranked wins. But when he plays like he did this weekend, only 8 for 15, 185, had a pick. He did their two touchdowns, wasn't very dynamic on the ground. They just don't have what, it's, what it takes to win this one. But Dylan Lobb had a big game for New Hampshire, 147, a touchdown. New Hampshire overall, 240 rushing yards, three touchdowns, over six yards per carry. And when you look back at that central game, they were able to jump on New Hampshire early, take away their run game, and that's the key. If New Hampshire is going as far as their run game takes them, I thought their defense played really well down the stretch this weekend, but expect New Hampshire to be really high in the top 25 this week. I think they're going to be one of the bigger teams that jumped. They jumped into my top 25, and I did not have them ranked there this past week. The game I was at, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this one before we get to our games of the week. Fred Payton came into the game, 20-plus touchdowns on the year, only one interception that he threw uh, with a drop pass <laughs> against ETSU. Fred Payton had three interceptions this weekend. I talked about the pick six. 
He threw one to end the game on pretty much a Hail Mary attempt. And then he, he, he threw <laughs> – I mean, Chattanooga's defense is legit. Four interceptions, two fumble recoveries. They forced six total turnovers this weekend, and they forced like two or three in the red zone. That was the difference in the game when you look at it. And I'm done doubting Preston Hutchinson. Watching him in person, he's not a guy who has the fundamentals that are going to blow you away. But the best word for what Preston Hutchinson does for this offense is he's a gamer. When he can he can make the he can make plays out of the pocket. He can put he can put the ball where you need it to, and he's just a leader of the offense. The way he can he can line people up, read the field, man. I, I'm a believer in Preston Hutchison after this weekend in the front seven for Chattanooga. I talked about it a little bit earlier as my key takeaway to the game. They held Mercer to 64 yards rushing on the ground, two and a half yards per carry. And this was a Mercer offense that was coming in as one of the more explosive in the country. They shut it completely down and went on the flip side. When you look at Chattanooga, a lean forward became the fifth player in school history to hit the 3,000 yard mark in his career, had 123, a touchdown, five, five and a half yards per carry. And he had a touchdown called back that really and truly was a little bit ticky tacky, but he could, he could, he had a huge day for them. The wide receivers for Mercer are legit, especially in person. Devron Harper can fly him and Todd James combined for 12 catches over 200 yards and three touchdowns. The problem is every time Fred, uh, Fred Payton goes back there to, throw the football they know those are the two guys he's going to that's the they they got to develop some sort of third weapon in that passing attack to make that offense i would say flow a little bit better against really talented defenses also jamori mays who the, the guy you see in the picture he had a huge game eight catches 121 in a touchdown this weekend and if you go watch the um if you go watch my highlights, he just pops off the screen in terms of making people miss in the open field. But Devontae Maxwell, Todd Beck, um, uh, Jay Peer, uh, Person, all those guys are names you need to know, man. Go back and watch those highlights. So you can be found on the channel. That front seven for Chattanooga is legit. And when I drop my top 25 at the end of the show, trust me, Chattanooga is the biggest riser in my poll. Um, Michael, the playoff segment is on the is on the FCS preview this upcoming week. I'll have a full bracketology drop in this week. Um, HBC recap real quick before we get to the Jackson State Campbell and Montana State Weber State game. I talked a little bit about it earlier. South Carolina State twenty six beating Central tw- uh, twenty six to twenty four. It just came down to Rashard getting outplayed by Corey Fields, which I did not see coming. Fields, 21 for 31, 264, three touchdowns. Rashard was very inefficient through the air, 11 for 24, had a big pick. Corey Fields not sacked any. Four sacks for that front seven to South Carolina State. And the player I really want to highlight on that defense is Godbolt. Patrick Godbolt this weekend, seven tackles, two for loss, had a big sack and a forced fumble. South Carolina State's defense kept them in this one. Zion Keith, I believe he's the Wake Forest transfer, was a guy that you that was all over the field for the Bulldogs this weekend. It was a defensive clinic put on by South Carolina State. And Central right now is looking and hoping that they have enough to potentially, if they keep if they win down the stretch and can't win the MEAC, that they have enough for a potential at-large bid in the playoffs. And that's that's a question for me, and I and I'll, y'all can put it in the chat if you believe if, if Central wins out with two losses or one loss to Campbell, who potentially could could I would say take a strong lead for the Big South this weekend with a win over A and T and a close loss to South Carolina State, who wins the MEAC ultimately. Do you think 
Central has the resume to potentially get in that large bid. And it's going to be tough because you would have uh, you would have some SoCon teams on the bubble with them. FAMU, if they went out, would be on the bubble with them. It it, it would be really tough, I think, for Central to get in, but they would have a chance. It would just they would have to have Campbell go and win the Big South. That's the biggest thing. Campbell needs to win out for Central to have a chance, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, I agree. Yeah, Fordham. Fordham is another team. If their one loss is to uh, Holy Cross this weekend, they would probably get in as well. He said not even close. <laughs> uh, would have to beat the hell out of everyone moving forward because of the strength of schedule. Hey, Jason, I had to ask. I had to ask. If NCCU wins out, Campbell wins to conference, New Hampshire wins to conference. That's what I'm saying. If it New Hampshire and Campbell are the keys to Central's resume. I'm not I, like I agree. It's it's going to be hard, Jason, but they they have the wins and and the games on their schedule that potentially could age really nicely. It we'll see though. But Tennessee State, Draylen Ellis is back. That's it. That that that's what that's <laughs> that's what this is. Draylen Ellis, twenty seven for thirty six, over three hundred yards passing, three big passing touchdowns, and man, when when this team is healthy, they can compete with anyone in the OVC. I, I know they only played Eastern, you know, Eastern Illinois. I, you could say whatever, but Tennessee State is legit in the OVC. They 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 competed well against Jackson State in the Southern Heritage Classic, and then everyone gets hurt. Ellis misses games. Starling misses games. They're missing D linemen. They're missing some like they were hurt everywhere, and they lose that D two game. They they they're sitting at zero and three, zero and four, and. They're putting together some wins now, and the biggest for them to win the OVC, man, that they, they got to play the two biggest teams because Semo and UT Martin don't play each other. Tennessee State's got to go through both of them. Those are going to be two. Those are going to be two big, big games for Tennessee State. If they can compete really well in them and win maybe one of them and lose the other, they still, I don't know. They're going to probably have to win the OVC to get in. Now that I'm kind of like thinking about their schedule, they're probably going to have to win the OVC, but I do think they can compete. And yes, UT Martin, legit. They played Tennessee this weekend. No one expected them to win. And 10 starters were out in the lane game. Appreciate that number on there. Listen, big win for Tennessee State. They look legit, and it's all Draylen, Draylen Ellis is that guy at quarterback. Now, I wore, I wore my look, I wore my Andrew body hoodie. Custom made by Miss Angie, Andrew's mom. I, I told her I would apologize. I told her I would apologize. I'm sorry for doubting Texas Southern this weekend. I didn't see this coming. 34-27 ruins all ruins all corn states homecoming this week. It's just, yeah, and I agree, finisher, real quick. If tennis, if um Wait, no, wrong comment. My bad. If Tennessee State beats both of those teams, that would be insane. That would be insane. But I, I don't, I don't even know how it happened. I had to go back and watch this game because Scotty called me after the game and and was giving me hell about it. Just if you would have told me, and this is why I had to go back and watch it. If you would have told me, Andrew Body would throw for less than a hundred yards. Have have a have an interception, and and Texas Southern would only have one rushing. I was like, how they win? This came down. I'm sorry. This came down to Texas Southern's defense forcing turnovers. 
They allowed a lot of yards. Let's just be honest. I mean, Aaron Allen threw for almost 400 yards and three touchdowns this weekend. And the running game, too, Jarvion Howard had 135. A touchdown was averaging six yards per carry. But the three interceptions in crucial moments were, were huge. Watching, watching the game back, it was just every time – Every time Alcorn has some momentum, their punter would shake a punt. Their their punter had like two or three punts that went like like five yards. It felt like so special teams and in in inopportunistic turnovers. It, you cannot throw three interceptions and then your punter can barely kick it twenty five yards. Like I don't know if I got any eligibility left. I, I need to go try out for punter. Because I feel like if I just connect on, on on a football like well enough, like I've won some punt, but some some what was it pass kick punt competitions when I when I was in little league and in middle school, like I, we got to find a punter. And I was told by someone at Alcorn State that the punter that was supposed to start the season was ruled academically ineligible for the rest of the season. So they're stuck with this guy, and it has cost them two games now. Turnovers and special teams have cost them the Stephen F. Austin game, and now this Texas Southern game. And it's two losses on their schedule that they they want. The Stephen F. Austin game was not a conference game. It would have been great to win that. But you can't – this was a game you couldn't lose. Now you have two, two back-to-back division losses. It, it just isn't going to work like that. And Texas Southern has found a way to beat two of the top teams in their division, keeping their opportunities alive. But the problem becomes – let's just look at this logically. Alcorn State still has to play Jackson. Southern plays Jackson this weekend. Texas Southern plays Jackson in, in, in November. The only team in that division at the top in that group of four, like four teams that can win that division, PV is the only one that doesn't have to play Jackson. If PV can just keep cruising along, they're going to find themselves in the SWAC championship. And it, and it might be due just to their strength of schedule and not having to go play Jackson State. And that's what it could come down to because if Alcorn loses another game, they're out of it. They got two divisional losses, and they're going to need people just to, to fall to the wayside. Alcorn's pretty much almost mathematically eliminated right now from SWAC championship contention. They're going to need Southern to lose two more times. They're going to need Texas Southern to lose again. They're going to need PV to loot, to loot, potentially lose again if they don't beat. I mean, Alcorn – Alcorn is going to have to figure something out moving forward. Texas Southern put themselves in the conversation, but it's looking like after this result, it could be PV's division to win. And, and that's that's insane looking forward. But, man, also Howard found, found a way to beat Delaware State. The MEAC is in chaos right now. With South Carolina State upsetting North Carolina Central, Howard knocking off Delaware State at randomly, um, <laughs> Norfolk getting beat by Delaware State last week. I don't know what the MEAC is at this point. This this came down to Howard's Quint Williams finally had a game, guys. Go back and watch, go back and watch this game. Quint Williams 11 for 16, 110, two touchdowns. He was efficient, didn't turn the football over. And what did that do? It opened up the run game for Howard. Jarrett Hunter had over 100 yards rushing, averaged 10 yards per carry. This weekend had 10, 10 carries for 100 yards and a touchdown. And Casey Hawthorne took a big, just a just a big jet sweep to the house, 75 yards for that touchdown. And it was just when Howard has a good quarterback or an efficient quarterback, when Quentin Williams is playing at his highest level, Howard's hard to stop on offense. And they showed it this weekend. The defense is good enough to hang in with a lot of teams. If they can not be on the field for 
<laughs> a million years. Kenny Gallup, legit. Marcus Brown, legit. Jevin Jackson, legit, was also the MVP of the MEAC Swag Challenge. Howard has a lot of talent in certain places. It's just they got to put it together. And this weekend, they did that, man. So shout out to Howard. I was doubting him. Absolutely amazing game for the for the Bison this weekend. Now, we got our last two games. We got Montana State, Weber State, Jackson State, Campbell. Jackson, this game's related to Jackson somehow. Hang on. Jackson had the record for the most safeties forced in a game for exactly seven days. Jackson forced three, four, had three. Um, <laughs> Jackson had three safeties against Bethune-Cookman. Tied the NCAA record. Weber, uh, Weber State somehow calls themselves to have four safeties this weekend. Montana State technically forced four safeties in this game. And they were all bad snaps by the long snapper on punts. I've never seen anything like this. The f- I'm, I'm sorry. The long snapper's got to go. If a long snapper costs me eight points in a top five matchup and I lose by less than eight, no, 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 he's got to go. Listen, locker, locker empty, scholarship pulled I, I, in the transfer portal immediately. I'm calling the NCAA to see if he can get a waiver because I need him playing somewhere tomorrow. That cannot happen. Weber State didn't play a bad game. This, like, they had, they had a chance. He cost them a whole touchdown with a two point conversion in this game. I don't, I don't understand it. I, I, I really don't. I mean, but, but it came down to, you know, let's <laughs> let's move on from the long snapper. I can't believe they had four safeties in this game. But it also it also came down to the rushing attack of Montana State. Sean Chambers out. Montana State missing two starting offensive linemen out. They're All-American running back still out for potentially. Tommy Malott comes in 273 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns, also threw one through the air. Every time I feel like Sean Chambers could be the guy, Tommy Malott reminds me of the what can be special about him and what led Montana State to the national championship last season. He is he's electric in these big games, and he didn't get any help from Elijah Elliott, Lane Sumner. Really, it was Tommy. It was the Tommy Malott show all game long, and Weber State's rushing attack had nothing to could, could not could not stop it. Their strength of the se- their strength is in the secondary. And Eddie Heckard had a big pick early in that game. Weber State's defense is legit in the back end. They got exposed up front. Callahan O'Reilly had a big game. Ty Okada in that front seven for Montana State did a really great job. It's slowing it down. Is slowing down this Weber this Weber State offense. They've still had 187 on the ground, two rushing touchdowns. My complaint, y'all can y'all can fact check me. Go back to the last episode. Bronson Barron. Has his moments, but he also has some major drawbacks to his game. And that's the one reason that I would I would be concerned about the longevity for them in the playoffs. And I talked, I met I met with my guy over at Weber State Weekly after the Chattanooga game yesterday. And he was telling me that like that, that is a concern on campus, is that Bronson Barron has his moments, but is, is is he a national championship quarterback? Weaver has the defense. Weaver has the running backs. Ty McPherson's legit. They got they got some guys on the offensive line. It's just we know you have to have that guy at quarterback to win 
to win a national championship. But this came down, I mean, look at the score. It came down to four damn safeties. You cannot give up four safeties in a game. And and, and him, well, the four safeties and Tommy Mallott, that was the story of the game, and that's why Montana State got out there with a huge victory. Just wait till they get their starters back. I agree. They won't lose again. If Isaiah Afonzi comes back, Sean Chambers comes back, the offensive lineman come back, Ron, Montana State could be back in uh could be back in Frisco. Man, appreciate you, man. 5K is insane. Also, I want to say, um, man, we hit a million views in the history of this channel, man. I, I love y'all, man. Y'all are amazing. I can't never, never thought we'd ever see a million views on this channel. Thank you guys so much. I got that uh, email today. I, f- I forgot to mention that. But let's get to this Jackson State-Campbell game. 22-14 win for, for the Tigers. And b- before we get into breaking down anything um, about what happened, man, I don't understand the people who are who are upset about, about this game. I, I get it because there's some, there's some people who – they don't like defensive battles. Like they feel like a game is trash if if both teams don't put up, uh, you know, a bunch of points. This was just a good game between two teams that I thought were really good. I, I'm going to be honest. That's what it came down to. I think Campbell was a good team, and Jackson State, um, Jackson State, really and truly has has a, has an even better team. I mean, they they have an elite team this year, and that's just what it was. I thought it was two great teams. There were people on Twitter and there were people on other channels that were like, "Man, can't believe this happened," and and we, we didn't play great. And there were fans on both sides who weren't happy. I was like, "Man, if you're a Jackson State fan, this should make you this should make you really happy. You beat a great team." I I just I I don't I don't understand why people are um so upset about it. Uh, I, I've just never understood that. But listen, Shador, solid game, 23 for 31, 233 through the air, touchdown, had the one pick that came in the um, it, it came came in the red zone. Travis slipped. There was some incidental contact, uh, whatever you want to call it. But I, I don't think it was a bad throw. I think it went, even the announcer said it. If you go and watch, if Travis doesn't fall, that's probably a touchdown pass for Shador. So I don't – I don't think you should hold him. I don't think that was that was his fault on the interception. It was just, man, there was some accidental contact. Sometimes receivers fall down and and, and it came up uh it, it came up an interception. I don't think it was a it was a bad pass, but Savion MVP of the game on the offensive side before we get to the defense. Savion Wilkerson is a grown man. And I've said for a few weeks, I still think he's one of the best offensive weapons for Jackson State. 116, a touchdown, average almost five yards per carry. I've what I love about him, and, and I've talked, I've talked about this on other channels, other shows. I love a running back that runs mad, and I love a running back that hates to go down at first contact. He runs with such, with such a aggressiveness and a physicality that you can't teach. Man, it's a mindset, and he runs like a, what I would feel like a linebacker would run when if he got an interception, where he is just looking for someone's head to take off. He hits the hole, and he has sneaky speed when he gets in the open field, and he does a really great job at cutting when, when he needs to. I thought Savion Wilkerson was great. J.D. Martin, I, I believe he had the one fumble. I think that was just a good play by Campbell. When you watch, it was the defensive end, Josh, uh, Josh Johnson, number one. He just got his hand where it needed to, and he's a bigger dude. I mean, Josh Johnson's like 6'5", 250, and he just ripped the ball away and caught J.D. when he was already past him. And I don't think J.D. even saw him coming, and so – um, I, I thought overall it was a good game for Jackson State. I thought Julian Hill 
had a solid game for Campbell at the tight end spot. Dallas Daniels, of course, leads Jackson State in, re- in receptions. But the guy, the guy on defense that had a big game was Aubrey Miller. Aubrey Miller had an amazing game. He popped off film. If you were, if you watched this game, even as a neutral fan, let's say you didn't know who anyone was on the roster. I just got someone who didn't know anything about Jackson State or Campbell football to watch this game. Aubrey Miller, they'd be like, who was 45? There were some huge hits in the hole, and also he did great in open field tackling. I believe he had 13 total tackles, two for loss, had a sack. He was everywhere. And I mentioned before the game, it was going to be huge for the linebackers to be to be aggressive, make tackles, and don't let Campbell get out of the pocket and, and make big plays. And Aubrey Miller was the key to that. And also got to give the DB some credit. There were some missed tackles that allowed Campbell to have an explosive play here or there. But I thought Bolden, Huggins, Travis, Shiloh, I thought they all had I, I thought I think they all had pretty good games. I think Travis's one missed tackle was on the uh was on the leap from Hodge Malik, but I think it was a business decision ultimately. And if you're Travis coming if your first game off an of injury, you go low, you have an ultra athletic quarterback in Hodge Malik, he just got up over him. And and I I, I can live with that. I, I really do. I think if they go heads up, I, I don't know if that turns out any differently. I thought Hodge Malik made some great plays out of the pocket. He got sacked twice. But I, I think if I'm not mistaken, um, if I'm not mistaken, I, I believe Hodge Malik had probably the best stat line for a quarterback against Jackson State all season. He was 15 for 28, 131, a touchdown, didn't have didn't have any interceptions. Um, hang on. Dallas is a grad transfer. He's gone. What? Yeah, after the season. Yeah, he'll be gone after the season. I thought you meant now. I was like, I, I mean, he's still there from what I know. Um, I thought Hashmali played a good game, and the offensive line gave up a lot of pressure. And it it was the same thing that happened um, in that Lloyd Mary game. I did the I I talked about the film. That speed rush is hard for them to handle. They were missing. Um, Number seventy-seven. He had the NFL grade. He was the right. He was the starting right tackle. He was out, and I thought Jack State did a great job taking advantage of that. I thought Gaddy and that defensive line did a great job of making Hosmerly feel uncomfortable. And if you watch the game, he he was overthrowing a lot of passes deep downfield. I think what Mentor and that coaching staff wanted to do is, if you're going to take the deep shot, put it either throw it long. Or make it where the wide receiver, your wide receiver is the only one that can make a play. They, they knew if they allowed Jackson State to win the turnover battle, and and force and, and get a bunch of interceptions, it uh, it could have got ugly. And I thought they did a great job of making the game ugly, kind of their style of the game. And that's why uh, that's that's why there weren't a lot of points put up. But I thought Hosmer did a great job getting out of the pocket with his feet. It was, it I know <laughs> I I talked to some Jackson State fans who were there. They said it was frustrating just to see how athletic he was when when he got out of the pocket and I on that on that touchdown run I still don't know how he didn't get sacked I, st- I still don't I don't know how he avoided all that pressure and got out of the pocket and went to make the play man I I, I have no idea but Jackson State did a hell of a job against the run I know they gave up 110 rushing yards they gave up that one touchdown to um Hodge but they they let's look at let's look at the overall story I mean they held Campbell to three yards per carry that's solid. That's way below Campbell's average in terms of rushing yards. Um, I thought they did a good job. That I think when you look at their rushing total, 
their their rush the reason they got over 100 rushing yards is just because of Hodge's ability to make big plays out of the pocket and then I believe it was McDowell number one the the number one running back he was just able to get out and, and make some big plays I think he had like a 20 30 yard carry midway through the game and also that fourth and one I just want to say this Mike Minter has some has man that, that I cannot believe when he went out there for fourth and one on his own 30 on that first drive, I was like, Oh, he's 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 a he wants to win this game. And the fact that McDowell was able to bounce that out, make a big play happen, I I, I was I was impressed. I was. I I think Mike Mentor and his team, he he adopted that mindset and he said, Man, we're going out here to win the game. And I thought that showed everything. I, I like how Dion uh, or Prom returned it and on that next job for Jack State where they went on the fourth and one and I believe Savion bounced it outside and got that too but both quarterbacks this weekend put on a clinic if you're if you're a high school quarterback a young quarterback that's just looking for film on how to get out of the pocket in terms of different styles just go watch the door and Hodge Malik both of them did an amazing job getting out of the pocket and making plays happen downfield in in very very different ways so I got to give Jackson State, Campbell, both credit, man. And I, I think anyone that y'all see on social media anywhere saying this was a bad game, that, that's how you could tell they're not football fans. I thought this was an amazing game. I love a def- I love a defensive battle where both teams are either forcing turnovers, getting stops, and it's just it's just an ugly game. I think though that's some of the that's some of the best games for me to watch. And also a telling stat, and I talked to Scotty about this after the game. Jack, one of Jackson State's keys for me was winning the time of possession and not allowing, not allowing Campbell to keep the defense on the field forever, keeping the Jackson State offense on the sideline. The fact that Jackson State won the won the time of possession tells you everything about their execution. They held the ball for over thirty two minutes of this game. That is that is key. That that was that that was the biggest telling stat. If, if you didn't watch the game, that's all you need to know is that Jackson State did not allow Campbell to control the time of possession, and for them to win the time of possession and and control the ball by going two for fourteen on third downs is even more insane. And it was their ability to convert on those on those fourth downs. That were, I believe they were three for three, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe, it it might have been two for two or four for four, but I believe it was three for three when I, um, when I looked after the game. Man, hell of a game, though, for both teams. I think this was a big win for Jackson State's resume and just the perception of the program. And this was a huge, I would say, learning experience for Campbell. And I, I said this before the game, when you're comparing these recruiting classes, Jackson State... Uh, Jackson State got a bunch of transfers that have a bunch of experience that that were coming in ready to contribute immediately. Campbell recruited a bunch of freshmen, and and really there were only two or three that were ready to contribute immediately. This was a great learning experience for Campbell. I think it was a great experience for the overall team. And I I think both teams got got what they needed. I think in the post-game press conference, uh, Mike Minter and Prom both had really great things to say overall. and then I've seen some things about this. What the way I agree, I hate the calls all around the board, Sonic Boom, but it has been consistent. I don't understand the whole uh, the whole body weight thing. I hate that, but it's 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 been a it, it's been a thing forever. Is that like you can't drop your body weight on a quarterback? But I don't know what you want a defender to do. It's you're playing full speed. You hit the quarterback. He comes off his feet. I don't know how you're supposed to. 
try to catch your body in midair not to not to fall on them. I hate the roughing the passer penalties, but and it happens all over college football and it just and even NFL, it it kills me to see some of the roughing the passer penalties that get called on some of these teams. I absolutely hate it. But man, let's get to Mr. Campbell real quick. What's up, Mr. Campbell? Nephew. Hey man, great show. So I think you remember when we talked last, and I told you I talked to my scout, and I told you you said it was going to be a cliche game. Remember that? Yep. About, but Well, it was a cliche game. Turnovers, running the ball, making holding the ball, all those things turned out to be true. And that one thing, do not let that quarterback run those draw plays, which Jack State did. So it's kind of funny, and I text him after the game, and he literally told me, when Aubrey Miller gets an agent, the only tape he needs to show and cut up is that Campbell-JSU game. Because that literally is his tape to get to the NFL. Because he made, as they, he's got like five keys of what they want to see linebackers do, other than he didn't drop, mostly in coverage. But he said literally he can take that tape and send that to anybody and try to get drafted. Now, a couple of things. Go, you, you believe I say something? Oh, yeah, I was just about to say, watching the game back, because, you know, I watched the probably beginning of the first quarter at halftime of that Chattanooga game, then watched probably the late third to fourth. Even in that little bit of time when I went back and watched it, Aubrey Miller, that was probably the best game he's played in the Jackson State uniform of his career. It, it, It was incredible. And the thing about it, when you look at it, the plays were big plays that needed to be made during the time. They were either drive stoppers or momentum changers on every play that he made, which is big. I, I just I'm I'm happy for that kid. That was awesome. So a couple of things, and I'm going back old school. This literally was the biggest out of conference win that Jack State has had, because for all my old heads, and they can remember this, Jack State has played Boise State, Louisiana Tech, Georgia Southern. And I'm talking about they had way more talented teams. And for whatever reason, they could not beat these type, win these type of games. And for them to win that game was a big thing for people that really know JSU football. Because that was for all those old heads I talked about that have played, that support that program. They wanted to get this win, to get that monkey off their back. Because, of course, we all knew what the narrative was, would be if they would have lost that game. And I'm glad that narrative didn't happen because there were a lot of people that were ready to say, see, I told you, priming them overhyped, Jack State is overhyped, blah, 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 blah. This is a good football team. This is a really good football team. Now, a couple of things with Malachi Wyman. That kid not being on the field, and I'm not getting into why he's not on the field, it doesn't matter. He's not playing. Changes the whole dynamic of that offense. Because what Shadur does really well is red zone, jump ball fade. And guess who's the guy to get gets them? Like you said, is Wyman. They don't have a guy that can do that. That was a money play for JSU. So you're talking about when I'm going down in the red zone and I've got to take, which you at, may, at most you have five to ten money plays, max in the red zone that you can even run. And one guy that you know a part of three to four of those plays is not playing, that just changed the whole dynamic of that offense. And I just hate that because you can see there are times when they need a big body receiver to make a play and Wyman would be that guy. And they just don't have him. He's just not out there. So it, it kind of just throws that offense off to me. 
And I, I just hope that he can get him back, you know, for the you know, end of the season, whatever's going on, to get him on the field so he can play. I think that's just really, really critical. I'm just surprised that Shane now, Hooks hasn't developed as that because he has this he he doesn't weigh as much as Malachi if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, but he has that same build. I just I don't does he not have the vertical that Malachi has? Does he does he fail at high pointing the ball? I just I feel like when when you look at Shane Hooks and Malachi, those were supposed to be the guys, and it's just like Shane hasn't developed into in, in, into what he needed to be for Jackson State in the red zone because it just seems like they don't trust him in those moments. Well, well, Hooks to me reminds me of Keith Corbin. I think he's their Keith Corbin guy. I mean, Wyman is a basketball player. Th- th- that right there alone, that athletic ability of being a basketball player, it just sets it off different. So I just think that's what he, I think Shane Hooks played that Keith Corbin position perfectly. I think he is that guy that you know is going to make that good catch along with Daniels that's going to be solid. But I just think Wyman is just more explosive, especially down in the red zone. I think that's just w- what it is. I agree with that. Uh, it's just, and then also they've recruited all these tight ends too this off season. And I, you know, we saw the what was it Hayden Hagler against FAMU. He scored one of those touchdowns on like that little, you know, RPO type play they ran. But the Mullins and and the other guys that they got, I'm surprised they haven't utilized them as much in the red zone, especially as receiving targets. Yeah, that's why. I, and again, I would love to see Jesse Riley Jr. I think he's one of those guys too that I thought was super athletic that I thought he would just, you know, like I said, again, play a little bit more. Because I think that kid is amazing just physically-wise, just looking at him and everything. So, again, so, Blue, real quick, okay, I'm happy game day is coming. That is awesome. But Southern is not a good team. (laughs) And Jackson State should not mess around with Southern. Like I say, Southern could go ahead and dance and, like I say, and do a great halftime show. But there is no way that Jack State should not beat Southern by 21 points. Because Southern's not a good team. They're not solid quarterback. And the same thing that happened last year, they're going to lose to Jack State and they're going to lose to FAMU. And it's because of their quarterback play. Because Southern does not have a good quarterback. And Jack State should not mess around with them and beat them down like they're supposed to and go ahead and keep it moving. So I'm sorry, SU fans, you guys are delusional if you think that that team that I have watched for the last six weeks is any good. Because they're not. That is not a good team. That is a very average team at best. So that's, <laughs> that's just what it is. Yeah. So, uh, Blue, the, great the, show, man. Love listening to you. Great Sunday. Man, congratulations hey, on getting to 5,000 subscribers. Appreciate you, Mr. Campbell. Thank you. Oh, man. he's He said at least 21. At least twenty one. Um, well, so I I don't love the matchup. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> like it, it, in terms of an X's and O's breakdown on that uh, that Southern Jackson State game, I, I don't love how Southern matches up with them. It's going to come down to one the front seven to Southern, and then also could they run the football? We'll see. And the environment is going to be crazy. I, I'm absolutely pumped to to see what what, what comes out of. Uh, this game. I knew this was coming. Oh, boy. We got Coach Green calling in. I'm assuming he's going to address the Southern comments. Uh, this, this was coming. Coach Green, you're live. Okay. I'm not going to take this slander from Mr. Campbell because we will beat JSU. That's all I wanted to say right there. We will beat JSU. Go Jags. And we ready. Because our front seven, like you said, that's going to be the key. 
And the thing people forget about, IDBs. We got some pretty good DBs, starting with Jordan Carter and Harris. So, and and uh, McKay, McKay has been playing much better. And I think we just got to see what the game plan going to be as far as what we're going to run offensively. But I think, I believe Dooley will come up with a game plan that can help us. And we have a decent running game, too. <laughs> Did, okay, so what's your score? Do you have a score prediction already? Like, or, or like somewhat in the range of what you think it's going to be? 22-14, Southern. Back-to-back weeks of 22-14? That would be insane. It would be. If y'all hold Jackson State to 14 at home with game day in town, (laughs) that would, I mean, that would be a defensive performance of (laughs) like of the season in the swag. Hey. And we the team to do it. We got the defense. It's more than just our D-line. And you and you know that because you was very high. You was very high on Harris, wasn't you? Yeah, I like him. I like his game, and I think he's lived up to the hype for you guys. I don't. I still don't like him at safety, but I think I think the reason he wound up at safety because we have close to the number of good corners as Jackson State when it comes to cornerback DBs, right? Don't you think? Because, look, you, you got Harris, you got Jordan, Jordan Carter, then you got the boy from Bowie, the other uh, cornerback from Bowie that we brought in. Then we got McKay brother. I, I, I wouldn't put y'all above Jack. I don't know, man. Like, that's tough. No, I, 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 I ain't put him above Jackson. Like, you got to separate. You got to separate corners and safeties. Like the safeties, y'all are on par. I don't think y'all have the corners to match up with Jackson State. I'll be honest with you. I don't think you got the true cornerbacks to match up with Jackson. No chance. S- safeties potentially, but no, not not cornerbacks. Well, this this is the thing I was looking at. You know, because one of the thing is, as Harris pretty much showed you, he's very versatile, right? Yeah, but are y'all gonna play him at corner? Like who who's the backup safety if y'all move him to corner? We got enough. All I'm gonna say we, we have enough to make a difference. So last like question I'll let you go, because now you got people calling in, you got people upset. Uh, so there's been this big debate. Hey. I've seen it in the chat. How many people is Southern bringing to the game? Say that again. How many people is Southern bringing to the game? 22,000 in unison saying, go Jags, go. Oh, man, Coach Green, I love it. I appreciate you, man. And listen, you're either going to be the most hated man on the recap next Sunday or the smartest man in the room. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Hey, appreciate it, man. Hey, appreciate you.
<laughs> Jesus. Oh, but hang on. I got to get to Varg real quick. Uh, Steve, I'm about to get to you. Varg said half the crowd. So what, 30K? 30K, man? Oh, man. I'm crying. Steve, you're live, man. I don't know how you're going to follow that up, but good luck. Yeah, I know. I just heard it. I just heard it. <laughs> uh, I just want to give a shout out to Aubrey Miller and uh, Stephon Wilkinson, Jackson State. They represent um, they represented the, the swag well in auto conference. I had to ask you a question, uh, Blue. Did you see that basketball game turned football game? Eastern Kentucky against North Alabama, fifty-six to fifty-three. Yeah, there were a few. There was that one, and then the Sanford ETSU game was also a basketball game. It, like there were a few that were just insane. <laughs> Yeah, man, yeah, man. But that's all I got to say, Blue, man. Good night, man, and keep doing what you're doing, man. I'm so proud of you, man. Hey, appreciate you, man. 5486, you're live. Hey, what up, Blue? What's up, man? So, so obviously, you never seen a Boombox Classic. Because we we going to pack at least half that stadium, bro. At least, least a good 30,000. And I say, I say my score prediction is 17-14. Southern. 17-14? Man, these low scores. Yeah. So, um, man, that's, that's, uh, that's a low-scoring game. I mean, that's two I, predictions for 14 for Jackson State on this game already. Bro, it's gonna be a defensive game. I, I want to see those presence. I I just don't see it. Like if you've been to the Boomer Classic, like Southern Jackson State always get up for each other. They do. It's a rivalry game, and I mean, last season the game was a lot better than I think a lot of people expected. It's just, man, it's so hard to see anyone beating Jackson State without like a game changer at quarterback. Like I, I do think y'all got the D line. I think y'all have a better, I think y'all have one of the better D lines that they've seen. It's just, man, that like McCray was going to have to play his, the, the best game of his career in, in a Southern uniform. That, that, that's a hey, fact. So you don't believe in us blue? Oh, we just got to, we got to prove a point. So you don't believe in us. Y'all got to prove a point. I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I, I think Jackson State has a significant advantage, especially at home with all the hype behind them, and they match up really well. It's going to come down to, one, Southern taking taking the run completely away from Jackson State, which I think is possible with the defensive line, especially with Dumas cooking. We saw what Dumas did to them last year. The other thing is you've got to hit Shador. If you don't get to Shador, Southern has to have three to five sacks this upcoming weekend, and that that's a minimum, really and truly. Like you have to get to Shador, and those are the two keys for me, really and truly. Because offense, y'all gonna have to figure something out, but the defensive line is going to have to be game changing. And we saw what Dumas did in the SWAT championship for PV last year. He's going to have to do that, like times two this weekend. I say this, Blue, and, and, I, and I'm gone. Our defense is our strong side. We come to take over the trap, and that's it. That's what I got to do. Hey, I love it, man. Hey, I'm writing you and Coach Green's prediction down. If y'all get it right, 
y'all are getting a huge shout out next Sunday. Bet that up. Hey, man. Have a good one. Appreciate you calling in. All right, bro. I love it. I'm so excited for this game that, like, Southern fans are already ready. Uh, I know Jackson State fans are already ready, especially with game day coming in. I, I absolutely love the hype surrounding this game. Oh, we got the 601 area code already. I, I knew it was about time. 9-5, you're live. How you doing, Blues? What's good, man? Is this the same team that got blanketed by Texas? Southern twenty four to zero. It is. Yeah, twenty four nothing. Do you do you believe that Southern is better than Camera offense and defense? If they played this weekend, I would probably pick Campbell. Not going to lie to you. And these low score games. I'm with Mr. Campbell that called you earlier. I think it's going to be 35-14 JSU. That's going to be the score. And they might not even get 14. We're not really giving up. I'm going to say 35-10. Oh, 35-10. God. I, I like it. I like the prediction. Well, I had to get some Jackson State predictions in here because – that there were a lot of 14, 17, 14 predictions going on. So 35, 14, Jackson State. For no, you. 35, 10. We, 35, we are, 10. Okay. Uh, I, I, I wonder what the point spread is going to be. Jackson was a 14 and a half point favorite over Campbell. I got a feeling that we, they're probably going to. We would have had to. That was that last, what, last 34 seconds that they threw. A touchdown in the end zone. Yeah, it was like at the very end of the game. It was it was a garbage time touchdown. So it would have been it would have been on par what it was supposed to be, but yeah, it's gonna be thirty five ten. They they probably won't. They're gonna have a long day. I like it. Are you are you gonna be in Jackson this weekend? Oh yes, I am. Listen, I, I've been. I'm the- leaving out. No, go ahead. I'm leaving it out on Thursday coming from Louisiana. Oh, man, love it. Listen, get – and this is for you and anyone listening. I've been to game day twice. I went in Dallas when they were there for Auburn, Oregon. I was there when they came and covered the Iron Bowl one time when I was a student. Get the, the get there early, and, and the closer you can get to the stage, man, the more fun it's going to be. Man, it's if, if you don't have anything to do in the morning – be at game day and just experience it at some point. Cause I'm telling you, it is amazing to be there in person. It is like two of like the more fun experiences I've had being at game day is games I've been to. Okay. Well, I'm going to be, uh, sit back and listen. Thanks for, for me uh, having me on. Hey, appreciate you, man. Three one two one, you're live. What's up with the blue? What's good, man? Man, I'm just kind of putting in my Jackson State score. Go ahead, man. Man, I got Jackson State winning by twenty. This is all I got to say. All these Southern fans calling like they just good. This is different online. Doom ain't gonna do none of it. But that's all I wanted, though. Hey, pre- pre- appreciate the score prediction, man. 
Man, I love it. It is October twenty third. We got, we we got six days to this game. And we already getting score predictions, but I, I love it, man. If it's sixty percent chance of rain, I hate that. I I, I don't want it to rain. I, I want this to be, um, I, man. I hope it doesn't rain because I, because I really do think like like y'all are saying the stadium is going to be completely sold out. I want the game day atmosphere to be great, and if it rains, I think it will keep a lot of people away, man. It. It's not fun to sit out in the rain. Take it from experience. I had it for like three weeks. <laughs> I definitely hope it doesn't rain. And if it does, I hope I hope it doesn't affect the game. I would I, I I hate it. I would rather it rain during the game than game day, man. I want I want everyone to be able to go experience that. Blue, if you come in, it's raining. I won't be a, I won't be in Jackson this weekend, Lauren. So it's not going to rain this weekend. I'm telling you that. I won't be there. So, um, I would give. I would give Southern the better overall defensive line, Ricardo. I do think Southern has a better overall D line than Campbell. He said, <laughs> stand the rain. Uh, SU fans aren't scared of the rain. Uh, they said it would be cool last week. It was hot. Man, it was hot as hell this weekend. I was going up, man. When I went up to Chattanooga, I thought I was going to be able to wear like a sweater or something, man. It was hot as hell at that Mercer Chattanooga game. It was so hot. It, I mean, it, it was ridiculous. You can't come to the game. It's going to rain. <laughs> oh, man. Hopefully no lightning blue brings to rain. Man, I won't be there. I'm not bringing anything to this game. But listen, man, Um, I got to get my top 25 all up in order. It'll be dropping tomorrow morning. Uh, then, I, so let's see. Tomorrow I'll post some pre, uh, pre, the press conference highlights from the SWAT coaches call. I'll, I should be able to be there. Also might get some from some other conferences that there's some big games that are coming up this weekend that I want to I want to see. I'll have the coaches corner this week with Coach Fred dropping Thursday or Friday. Roundtable on Thursday. FCS week nine preview on Wednesday night. So make sure to tune into that. We're going to preview all the big games, including Jackson State Southern, which I already know. Listen, that's going to be the fan vote game of the week. I understand what it is. So, well, it'll be structured similarly. I'll have my bracketology. I can I'll break down my top twenty-five for you guys. The article, if y'all want to see it, I'll post on the community page. So, subscribe, turn on your notifications. That way, you can see the article when it drops in the morning. But, guys, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and also stay tuned for more content right here on the Blue Bloods. And I will try, man. I, I like to try to keep my questions about football because I'm sure someone's going to ask about the uh, the TV production already, Kurt. Uh, but if no one asks about it, I'll jump in there and, and try to ask something about it. But I do like to uh, I do like to try to keep my questions about football since we're only limited to two, and there's a lot of people in the in there that don't ask any football questions. So I want to try to uh, <laughs> I want I want to try to do my best to keep it on football. Who's the better team, Monmouth or Campbell? That would be a hell of a game right now. Uh Oh, I don't know who I would pick to win that game, to be honest with you, V. I have like that game would be that rushing attack in that game would be crazy because Monmouth had a really, really good game this weekend. It's just they're so inconsistent. That would be a toss up. I would say that's a 50 50 game, V. I, it would depend on where it was played and, and everything. Yeah, bracketology, FCS playoff bracketology on where people uh where people are seated, what game, who I think is going to get in the playoffs. You said, I hate JSU week. Just keeping hyping the game up, Blue. Hey, appreciate y'all. Uh, I got 50 on the next. I uh, don't know for you if you do. I pay, appreciate you, man. I'll definitely do that. But all right, man. 
But I'm out of here, man. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button. Check out our content from Chattanooga Mercer. Pictures dropping tomorrow. Highlight tape already out. But I'll see y'all on Wednesday night, man. But I'm out of here. (laughs) 